This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Praise the Lord. You are welcome to church tonight. How many people have had a beautiful day today? Amen. Glory to God. I want to read something from the Bible, which we always love to do. I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, that's a very popular Bible passage that we ought to meditate on from time to time till we find ourselves walking fully in it. Amen. All right? Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to read verse uh, 4. Charity suffers long and is kind and envied not. Charity vaunted itself, not itself, nor popped off. Now the next verse says, Doth not behave itself unseemly. Verse 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Verse 7. Beareth all things, believeth all things, openeth all things, and endureth all things. Amen. But I want to give my attention to 4 and 5. Charity suffers long is kind, it does not envy, and it does not vaunt it itself, or it vaunt itself not, does not behave unseemly, seeketh not a home. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. John chapter 13, verse 35. I want us to read this one together also. John 13, 35. Amen. Are you with me? <laughs> Let's do a connection there. Now the Bible says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If, what? <laughs> one more time. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you pray. Is that what is there? By this shall they know if you fast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with praying and fasting. It's valid and it's part of the Bible. But by this shall they know if you have love for one another. Hallelujah. You know, I've said this many times. The foundation is the most important part of a building. That's what the Bible says, that if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation is the most important... Oh, God help those of us that are ministers across the face of the earth. Thank God for crusades, which we need. Thank God for programs of miracles, which Jesus actually told us to do. But at times, we receive people into the body of Christ and we don't start them up on the right foundation. So they know about fasting and prayer. Especially prayers against their enemies. Which already is against the law of love. So the foundation is missing. Especially in African church. There is no foundation. Because we start with the roof. <laughs> or some other things. When a person gets born again, the first thing you should be taught 
is how to walk in love, to understand new creation realities before anything else. Otherwise, there is no foundation. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> is somebody following me? That is the reason why they are about to choose pastors in a certain church and politics came in to the point that people threatening to kill one another. Because, in quote, they wanted to work for God. Which God? Are you following me? People can learn many things, but not learn the nitty gritty. So Jesus said, this is a statement that is very powerful. How men will know the genuineness of our Christian faith is that we love one another. If we want our witness of Jesus to the world out there to be very authentic, we must pay attention to love. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. And the two places I read in 1 Corinthians 13 tells us something very powerful. Love does not insist on its own. And that's the part of it. It's a broad stuff. But I just want to bring out that part today. Love does not insist on its own that this is how it should be. Hallelujah. So Christian marriages, Christian homes, Christian issues everywhere all because people don't understand this or they have not taken time to embed themselves inside these things. So the Bible says, this is how men we know and the love does not insist. So I want to show you two different um, um, attitudes from two different people in the Bible to illustrate something. Amen. Psalm 51. I think verse 17, I think. Let me see, Psalm 51. David says something like, the sacrifice of God is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Thank God for the seed of money. <laughs> Thank God for service in the house of God. But there is a kind of sacrifice that many Christians are not used to. And this is powerful. Now, let me explain something to you. When Jesus said that, by this shall men know that you are my disciples, if you truly love one another. You should check the word. What is that? What, what, what was he saying? He was saying the same thing that is in Mark 16, 17. This sign shall follow that build. That is how you identify those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. If we lack working in this power, we should check our love work. Say amen. amen. Are you hearing me? Praise the Lord. See, the word is so dirty that easily you'll be offended every day. The test of your depth in Christ is your ability to forgive big and small offenses. Praise the Lord. Amen. How many people that is the sixth person that will bless you? Sixth person that's going to bring an, a tremendous breakthrough to your life. The sixth one. But the fourth, second, third, fourth, and fifth, you help them and they disappointed you. So you shut your heart from helping people. You brought this one to your house at the end of the day, went to backstab you and said something. You know what? I don't, I, I, I'm not. When you start making statements like that, it is coming from unforgiveness. Somebody did something. Even the Yoruba, they have another. If you close your eyes, that bad people should pass. Good people will also pass. Are you with me? You might not uh, give that same person that kind of chance again, but should not stop you from giving someone else. 
So you loan somebody, you help somebody financially, and the whole thing backfired seriously. So you made up your mind. You said that I will never. But it might just be the next person that you will help that will change your financial status forever. Are you following me? Is somebody with me? Praise the Lord. So, what is a contrite heart and a broken spirit? I want to show you something from uh, two people. King Saul and King David. They were both king in the Bible. Because I, I started on Sunday, you remember, I'm looking for a church where there is true love. And where that jewel prophecy will be fulfilled. Now, that prophecy was to a foreign army, actually, in Joel chapter 2. But a part of it says, I think, verse 8, that they shall fall on sword, and they shall not be injured. They will not trust one another, neither shall they break their rank. That's a powerful... Look at this. Neither shall one trust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. When they fall on sword, they shall not be wounded. I actually believe that why they will fall on sword and not be wounded is because they will not trust one another. He was talking about an army marching. Talking about the invasion of Israel, actually negative prophecy. He was talking about an army marching. And he said that each one of them will march in his own position. Nobody will trust. You are not going to push the person before you are behind you. That means no scheming, no competition, no fights. And he said that kind of soldier, when they fall on sword, they will not be wounded. We can learn something from this army. That the body of Christ will rise to become an army like this. Where we are not trusting one another again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you following me? And we, everybody will match this. I mean, everybody understands what God has called him to do and they do it. Are you following me? So, <laughs> let's look at these two guys. Uh, I want to read two places about King Saul. That's first King, first Samuel, sorry, first Samuel chapter 12. Let's read something there. And then we'll read 1 Samuel 15. And then we'll read about David. We'll read 2 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel 12. Uh, amen. I want to start from where he offered the sacrifice. Verse 7 or come down, down, down. Let's see something. Hallelujah. Um, there's a, oh, sorry, 13. Rather, 13, not 12. 13. 12 is a different story. 13. Okay. 13, 1 Samuel chapter 13. Thank you. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Let's start from 13, 7. 1 Samuel 13. Okay. Go down to 10. If you see before me where Paul, it came to pass, yes. As soon as he had made an end of the offering, Samuel came and Saul went to meet him and he went to salute him. Verse 11. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and you did not come within the seven days appointed, and the Philistines gathered themselves, and verse 12. Therefore I said, The Philistines will come down to me, and I have not made sacrifice. So I forced myself, therefore, and offered the burnt offering. Verse 13. And Samuel said, Thou hast done foolishly. You see, I want you to follow me the journey of the life of a man. I am praying that. Everybody in the body of Christ, we are prayed by these broken and contrite spirits. There are people all over the body, they think to say I'm sorry is a sign of weakness. And I'm going to show you what made one king to go down. And what made God to say this one is a man after my heart. According to the law, Samuel was supposed to offer the sacrifice. And truly, Samuel told Saul that give me seven days, I will come. 
And Saul waited for seven days and Samuel didn't show up. Hey. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. He waited seven days. This guy he just went to offer. As soon as he finished offering the sacrifice, Samuel showed up. If he had waited five more minutes, then he said, oh, and, but he was part of it. Instead of him to be broken, he began to defend himself. You said I should wait for self. Oh, how? From when I was in school till date, I've seen believers do this. And when you said you were coming for self, you did not come. I forced myself to do it. Are you now blaming me? <laughs> Have you read, sir, that Adam never said sorry when he committed sin? When God told him what he did, he said, this woman you gave me. Oh, how many times have I seen believers? They would rather die than to say sorry. Or to admit, they feel like you are shaming them when you are showing them that they are wrong. So they prepare to defend. I know it's not so. You see, I was, and they start. And people carry this into marriage. It's just the man and the wife at home. I understand boxers. At least there are people watching them. I understand footballers like World Cup. There are people watching to see who loses and who wins. When you and your husband, there's nobody watching you, yet you don't want to be defeated. For football, there is price for winner. In your house, there's no price. Yet you will fight to establish that you are correct and it's wrong. And you go to any length. Or that she's wrong. Because some men are stopping. I mean, it's, it's 50-50. Are you following me? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Samuel, so this is the beginning or the fall of King Saul. God must have been giving him a chance to correct that heart. Somehow, God let this pass. Even though God said that, Samuel said, from today, you've lost the kingdom. Look at what he said. He said, for now, the Lord would have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Next verse. But now the kingdom shall not, thy kingdom shall not continue. Somebody said, you argue, you don't know the gravity of what you did. The kingdom is taken away. Well, you see, God is merciful. Even though he said so, he didn't carry it out immediately. Now, chapter 15. See the same guy. Oh, God is a God of second chance, third chance, many chances. It's merciful. Amen. First Samuel 15. Look at it again. Chapter 15, please. And the Lord said to Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to annoy you, king, annoy you king over Israel. Now, therefore, I came to the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Verse 2. Thus said the Lord, I remember which, what Amalekite did, how they laid the wait for, for him to Israel in the way when he came out of Egypt. Next verse. Now, go smite the Amalekites. Can you see the word there? Utterly destroy all that they have. Spare not. Slay both man, woman, infant, sucking, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Very direct. Saul so gathered the people and numbered them. Verse 5. And Saul so came to the city, laid the way. Verse 7. And Saul so said to the king, get out of the people. Uh, verse 8. Verse, 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 next verse. Next verse. He took Agag, the king of Amalekites, alive. Disobedience number 1. And not only destroy all the people with the edge of Saul. But Saul and the people speared Agag. And what? And what? But 
But everything vile and refuse, they destroyed. Next verse. Then the word Lord came to Samuel saying, It repented me that I have set Saul up as a king, for he has turned his back from following me. Look at the last part of this verse. He cried unto the Lord all night. Samuel started praying for him. Oh God, have mercy. Because Samuel loved Saul. That was the first king he ordained. And God was looking at Samuel like, you don't know who this boy is. <laughs> you know, sometimes men think they are, they are more patient than God. Like, Moses was on the mountain. God told Moses that, the people are already worshipping idols. I'm going to deal with them. Moses said, oh, no, don't do that, don't do that. When he came down, he saw them naked. He broke the Ten Commandments. He was telling God, take it easy up there. But he was, <laughs> when he got down there, God was having like, okay, you will soon see. Now go, go and see them. <laughs> I am seeing what you are not seeing. When you see, you understand why I'm angry. When he got there, he got more angry. He brought them commandments, sprinkled over water, and forced them to drink the water. Burning indignation. And God must have been like, bros, say you see now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the Bible says he grieved Samuel to his heart. And he prayed online, Lord. But let's read on. And when Samuel was sending the money to me, Saul, it was to Samuel saying, Saul, it was saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up to meet a place. And then next verse. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. <laughs> I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Next verse. And Samuel said, <laughs> This is very strange. What is the bleating of sheep in my ears? And the lowing of oxen which I hear. You know what happened? Samuel came to where he was. And Saul went to meet him. And he said, you see, hello sir, I've done everything God said I should do. And as he was saying that, he just said, man. <laughs> that was what happened. So Samuel said, sorry, what did, what did I just hear? Didn't I say destroy both man and animal? So where are this noise coming from? From the animal. And then he said, see, at this point, and that's what I'm emphasizing. God is merciful to a man with a broken heart. Making a mistake is not the issue. Refusing to acknowledge. Now, you know, you can pray. And but you can pray. You are praying. And instead of even in the place of prayer, to acknowledge that, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I spoke to that person, you start praying in tongues. And bypass it. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Somewhere inside you, you are not willing to let it out of your mouth that what you did was wrong. Now look at this. <laughs> and Saul said, when Samuel asked him that, so what am I hearing? He said that, he, he said, they have brought them down from Abelikai for the people. He transferred the blame. But the Bible says Saul and the people decided to spare those things. But he put said the people, the people spared the best. Then he said, they did that to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. He was patronizing somewhere. <laughs> As if God was a beggar. He said, you see, you don't know what we want to do with those sheep. We want to sacrifice to your God. And Samuel was looking at him that This guy is a fool. Are you trying to patronize? You are trying to make him look like... And he said, the rest we have utterly destroyed. Next verse. Samuel said to him, I will tell you what the Lord has said to me in the night. And he said, say on. Next verse. Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, I made you head of the tribes of Israel. And the Lord anointed you over Israel. Go on. He sent you on a journey 
to consume people. Next verse. Wherefore, why have you disobeyed the Lord? Verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, Can you imagine? He would, he would still keep short. And he said again that, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone the way the Lord sent me. I have brought back Agag. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Next verse. But the people took the spoil. <laughs> to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Now, this time Samuel is beginning to get angry. That no wonder God said that I wouldn't forgive this guy. And Samuel said, Do you think God is more concerned about sacrifice than obeying him? That, that's to paraphrase what he said here. Verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. Have you heard some people, even Christians, say that I'm very stubborn? And they think there is dignity in this. I'm stubborn. You know, naturally I'm a stubborn person. I'm stubborn. You are stubborn. <laughs> the Bible says stubbornness is as iniquity of idolatry. When you are stubborn, God sees you as an idol worshiper. That's the meaning. And you are saying, I'm stubborn. You know, you know, you know the way I am. You know, I can be very stubborn. <laughs> you know, people say that without knowing the gravity of what they are saying. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. He said this, someone is like idolatry. Because you have rejected the Lord, the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Look at the next verse. He said, I have sinned, for I have transferred the commandment of the Lord thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed them. You would think he has repented. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin. Turn with me that I may worship the Lord. Next verse. And Samuel said, I will not return. And the Lord has rejected you. Next verse. As Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold of his skirt of his mantle and he rent it. Samuel said, well, <laughs> a man that they are about to set on fire, who is pouring petrol on himself, even the prophet that was helping you to beg God, you tore his garments because he wouldn't follow you. And Samuel said, the Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from you this day and he has given it to your neighbor that is better than you. Can you imagine? Can you see the construction of the words here? The Lord has taken away the kingdom from you. This will let you see that God is merciful. When he offered the sacrifice the first time, Samuel told him that the kingdom has gone away from you. That means God changed his mind about him. Because another day again, now God said, now, today, finally. The, the first one I said I overlooked, but this one is taken away from you. Give it to your neighbor. Next verse. And also the strength of Israel will not lie. For it's not a man that should lie. Next verse. Then he said, I have sinned. Now, this is why he confessed his sin. Not because he believed he was wrong. It was about reputation. Look at what he said. I pray thee, honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Turn again that I might worship the Lord. Long and short of it, Samuel followed him. But Samuel knew that day. Actually, watch what you do with those who have authentic relationship with God. It's dangerous. Hallelujah. I'm sure many of you have heard this story. Before General Bacha died, one of the people he troubled was Pastor Adeboe. He sent a message to him that he would deal with him. When God wants to destroy you, he will help you cross your boundaries. And Badebo, he said that he walked around the redemption camp in tears. 
And early in the morning, he heard an audible voice. Son, what do you want? Should I take him? And he said, Yeah. <laughs> Are you with me? So, <laughs> Amen. And what was his reason for threatening the man? I said, I said something like his manabouts told him that when you are trying to enforce yourself on the destiny of Nigeria, there is somebody praying. And that his prayer is interfering with what we are doing. That was why he sent a message. Are you, are you following me? Now, this is it. Saul didn't know. Samuel had the authority under God to keep him on that throne or remove him from that throne. Samuel was God's representative on earth that time. Even when God wanted to reject Saul, if Samuel went back home satisfied with Saul's attitude that day, and he went to continue praying, God would have had mercy on Saul. God wouldn't be able to look at Samuel's eyes to say that the boy you are praying for, I'm still going to destroy him. He can't. Moses' story proved that. He told Moses on the mountain that, you, let me, he said, leave me alone, let me destroy the Israelites. And Moses said that, what will the Egyptians say? They are going to say that you brought them out, you couldn't take them in, so you killed all of them. And the Bible said, God, look at Moses and say, you know what, because of what you have said, I won't destroy him. He said, but you know what, I will punish them another way. A man told God, can you imagine God saying to Moses, leave me alone, let me deal with it. That means Moses was standing between them and God. Intercessors are powerful. The real ones. Not the ones collecting money to intercessors. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Those who, <laughs> who can talk to God on behalf of men, and every Christian has that ability. For your sake, God can save an entire city. For your sake, God can save an entire office. Under God, as a New Testament Christian, you have the ability to stop the judgment of God over an office. Because you are there. Are you with me? And if they maltreat you and you go, then the judgment comes. But when you are there, you say, Lord, have mercy. That's why if a family has a Christian, that family is blessed. There are many Christians in many families, but they don't know the value of their salvation. That is why. If a family... How can you be complaining of issues in the family when the Christian is there? A light has come into that family. Angels have now authentic right to visit that family because you are there. Say amen. amen. This is the beauty of redemption. And use that authority. Stand in the midst of your family house and say, in the name of Jesus, I have come as a light unto this family. Darkness, out. They will obey. It's a law of the spirit. Demons say when Jesus resurrected, they have no choice. Shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. This is the gospel. So, you are blessed that your family, they have you. They are blessed. That you are in an office, the office is blessed. God said to Abraham, and you Abraham said, through you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And he has not changed his mind. Are you following me? You know, many times we look, to, we look down on ourselves. Don't let it is true. Do not let what you are passing through define who you are. You might be at a phase that you are not very compatible, you don't really like. It doesn't change anything. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm looking for a job. They are saying I'm the light of the world. Light to call. <laughs> Touch light today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you with me? <laughs> so, honor me. You can see Saul. And God said, I know this guy is out. But let me show you a different person. Maybe we'll continue on this one. I know this is a long story, but I hope you are getting blessed. Yes, I must let you see into this. Now, Second Samuel chapter 12. You know about David also? So call this record. I want to end now. 
when he committed adultery against Bathsheba. Now let's start from around verse 5 or so, or 6. You know, Prophet Nathan came and he told him that, oh, two men, was a parable, that two men were in the city, this one down, this one down, this one said, a rich man took a, 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 the castle of the young man, and, and David's anger was greatly killed against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that done this shall die. Many times we are quick to get angry with other people's problems and sin. For instance, people are weak for different things. There are some guys, even among unbelievers, till heaven and earth to pass away, they will never think twice about another woman other than their wife. It's not every unbeliever that is cheating. Some men are just like that. His own weakness might be, don't let him see money. But women, is not his problem. Some other people, anything is kept, they will have an erection. But they will never touch a cupboard that does not belong to them. And they are unbelievers. You understand what I'm saying? It's not every unbeliever that steals money. Some will never put them, they will, some of them, some people who have, who have died on their integrity are not Christians. They will say, I'd rather die than to steal and cheat. But it might have another problem. So when a person has a problem with women, and he doesn't have a problem with money, when he hears of somebody stealing, he says, oh, this, ah, can somebody steal money? And then this one has a problem with money. But women, no problem. How can you have a wife at home? The weakness of the other person is annoying. But you know what? You sympathize with your own weakness. And try to explain it away. Are you following me? It's human nature. But we have a divine nature. Amen. <laughs> so David said, He shall restore the land fourfold. Because he did this, he had no pity. When the prophet told him the illustration, he said that there was a rich man in the city. And a poor man. And a guest came to visit the rich man. And he, instead of him, he had plenty of cattle to take one of his cattle. He took the one belonging to the poor man. The only one that one had to entertain his guest. And David said, who? In this country, we are the king. He said, honestly speaking, God do so, I will waste that rich man. And then, he said, before I kill him, he will first of all restore back to the man fourfold. And Nathan was looking at him. When he finished giving his judgment, <laughs> and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. He said, bro, now you... He said, Don't share the Lord. I anointed the king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. Now, I will take time to read this one. I gave thee thy master's house. I gave thee wives. I gave thee homes. And if they were too little, I would have given you more. Thank God, God is not against prosperity. Can you imagine God saying that if you want them, I would have given you more? Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with sword. You have taken his wife to be thy wife. You have slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore Saul shall not depart from your house. Because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Next verse. Thus said the Lord, I will raise evil against you. Blood, this will happen. The next verse where I'm going. For you did it secretly, but I will do this Thing before the in all Israel, before thy son. Next verse. Now, start from where I started reading from. What verse? At uh, verse 6 or so, that, verse 4, so that uh, Nathan started talking. The difference number one between David and Saul. Did you notice David never interrupted the guy? He stated what David did that was wrong. He stated the judgment that will follow, and David paused to hear everything. The first thing that came out of his mouth. Go back to that verse, um, 
the last verse we read now. No, verse, no, verse, what verse is that? 13. And David said to Nathan, the first statement. Everybody say it together. Oh God. Immediately the man said, God has put away thy sin. Nathan took the portion of the prophet after Samuel. If Samuel was there, he would have said the same thing to David. That I saw the way Saul behaved when I told him when he was wrong. How many times he interrupted me. And I saw you. You held your peace. And when I was through, David just admitted that, you know what? I have nothing to say. I am sorry. And the prophet said that. Before you say sorry, God has forgiven you. This kind of heart is unusual. I have met people like that. Oh, those who insist on their rights, don't go find the kingdom of God. Oh, we argue with everybody to convince that they are right. When I was growing up as a Christian, I was taught that even if you are right, and you know, I have pastors that I learned from. If, for instance, God forbid, there's an issue between me and one pastor, and Pastor Mojopatai will cause me and he says that you are wrong. Even if I, if I know that the other person lied to make it look like that, I will accept that judgment. It will change my heart more. And give me a deeper root in the things of the spirits. Hallelujah. Because it's not about the correctness of the man. It's about me having a humble heart to accept that judgment against myself. This is where many people miss it. Oh, even in families. The oldest person says, ah, you are wrong. Hey, no, no, no. And then he doesn't talk to that one again. And people bring that attitude even into the house of God. In units, a pastor tells her you shouldn't have done that. And the pastor is siding the other person. And he goes on with that mindset. They are, they are supporting that one. They are, they are, no, no, I'm not coming again. I'm not. <laughs> when you see all these things, you are seeing the carnal manifestations, making it, this must have been, I, 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 I have sat down times without number. So wait. See, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm not saying that I'm trying to justify something wrong. But one of the people, when we were in school, he was always quick to receive any blessing from God. But the guy used to misbehave a lot. God was always, I mean, <laughs> amen. There was a day, because when we were in school, he had a car. He was cruising around UI one day and he saw one girl. And he, he used to be very hard working and then he carried the girl and then went to his big and then he had sex and then when they were having sex, the girl told him that um, his male lawyer will not rise again and he thought it was a joke and the following morning he realized that it was not a joke and then the day after the following, you know <laughs> he came to my room for a year <laughs> I was the pastor then and my roommate when he said when he said what was wrong with him I covered his mouth when my roommate was not available he was there he said I don't care I need help all my life, when I've known, he has carried that open heart. He was sweeping. He said, I don't, he said, he said, you think it's about my reputation? I don't care. And he was saying, what happened to him? And the word Lord just came to me that if my dude that I call by name, we humble themselves and pray. That was what came to me. That tell him that go to chapel, you, I sit down and pray and ask God to forgive you. And as he was there, he saw a breeze blowing and he got well immediately. Hallelujah. And you know, when he got well, he ran to my room again. Again, I was standing at the front of my room, talking to my roommate. He carried me from the floor. He said, <laughs> He has done it. <laughs> so, so my roommate started laughing. You know, 
God appreciates people that are plain and open and simple. I have sat down for a long time and I've wondered the gravity of David's offense and Saul's offense. Wait for me for seven days. Truly, you didn't come seven days. He offered the sacrifice. That was something simple. Anybody can pardon that. That of David was more terrible. You took a man's wife, set up the man and killed the man. And God let this go. And God decided not to forgive this. If you were watching, you wonder why God was He was looking beyond the offenses they committed. He was looking at the state of their hearts. One was a rebel. Who would not admit that he was wrong? And one was a broken person. Who, though he did wrong, immediately they told him what he did, he accepted and he broke down. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And this is what God is calling. You know, we need believers that the fruit of the Spirit has dominated them in these last days. What about if you are right, truly, and everybody is blaming you? Does that change anything? Should that make you violent? Should that make you want to defend us? I know I'm not. When you remove Sam, look at the story I told you on Sunday. Forever, I will never forget that story. That is how people operate who have deaths. 13 weeks in the hospital and nobody visited her in the church. When she came back, she went to be the pastor that let us start a unit that will be visiting those who are sick. 90% of other Christians will get angry and will not go down. And everybody will think that your anger is justified. And really, maybe. But for that woman, that was a Christian. Instead of me to get angry with the church, let me tell the church that, hey, we need to revisit those who are in hospital and I want to start that unit. It's not about me. You did it to me. Nobody came to check me. I am not angry, but I don't want it to happen to someone else. This is the kind of heart that I see at times in some whites. They will suffer and when they make money, they go back to the community to help that let nobody suffer what I have suffered. That kind of heart is not in many blacks. Have you noticed that 90% of the whites, they hate polygamy? And 90% of our billionaires say they don't have one wife. It's the other way around. It's amazing. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I get touched when I see whites who don't even, they don't believe in God. Yet they do some of these things. It, 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 it touches me. But I can tell you, it's a result of the early Christianity they practice. Because their parents taught them this. All those who are shouting their atheists now, their forefathers were Christians. When Africans were worshipping idols in the forest, these people were praying. So when people say that Europe, they don't like, they don't pray, yet everything is working there. They have prayed before. Go and read the history of Europe and the that two places there. John Ox and those who could pray for 72 hours non-stop. All of them happened in Europe. When they were praying, our fathers were worshipping idols, they sacrificed human beings. Because some people, when some people want to attack you, say, all oh, this prayer, 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 Europe is not bad, things are working. They are prayed. There is a time to sow. It takes time when you sow for what you have sown to grow. Africa too will reap one day. Amen. Yeah, we have a lot of bad people around us, but as we pray, things will happen. Are, are you with me? Yes. I think the son of the owner of Kwakula being interviewed, the grandson that was saying the same thing. He said that, why do we give to charity? And some of them say, give to religious organizations. He said, why? 
He said, our forefathers taught us. He said, that's why we do also cut corners. He said, I don't go to church. I don't know God again. He said, but our great-grandfather taught us when he was dying. That in business, have integrity and don't cheat anybody. He said, those were people going to church. He said, we don't say against everybody. The values they taught us, we still go by them. He said that the great-grandpa told them. He was a Christian, but they are not a gay. But he told them that if you want to, so don't cheat anybody. And he said, give to charity in your business. Their values transfer to them that they are still working by. America, they took their point of taking care of strangers from the Bible, directly from the Bible. That's why their motor is in God we trust. It's where they said, though they politicized the whole idea of uh, uh, giving charity now, but they started on that note. When they were recovering as a nation, they were already helping other nations. It's a mind, Christian mind, that's coming to them. Hallelujah. I pray we walk in this wisdom. Say amen. And that you have a broken heart. Ability to, when you are wrong, you accept you are wrong. And then, you admit it. Hallelujah. Begin to grow to the point where arguments are dying off you. That when somebody confronts you, somebody, your first attempt is not to defend yourself. Say, no, 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 no. To establish your point that you are right, they are wrong. Let all those things go. Praise the Lord. And you will see that love is a powerful force. And that it's more powerful than any other. Daniel could have argued when they were trying to sign that thing. He allowed them to sign it. And after coming out of the den, the guy went there instead of him. Which is closer to the king. He could have said, what they are trying to sign, I am the target. But have you ever wondered that Daniel didn't say anything? He just opened his window towards Jerusalem and kept praying. He had something going on between him and God and he didn't bother himself about. Hallelujah. Love does not insist on its own way. Oh, I pray that those of you listening to me and those who are watching, those who are on this other side, that you like to argue. You like, you like to claim your rights. You like to say that you are right. Anything, when the point goes against you, any group, you leave the group. You, li- you like to, you want things to be done your way. And when you suggest something that is rejected, you get angry. It shows on your face. How long shall you be like that? Hallelujah. I'll just show you two men. One made one to last and handed over to his son. Up to now, we are still naming our children David. Nobody's bearing soul here. <laughs> two people. One's offense was greater than the other one, but he had a broken heart. Waited for the man to talk and he said, I am sorry. His heart was not calculating the point to give back. Sometimes in marriage, the husband is telling the wife what he's not happy with. Or the wife is telling the husband what she's not happy with. As she's complaining, he's not hearing her. He's rehearsing how to answer. You understand what I'm saying? Even at times, siblings. The person is telling you something painful. That, what you did two days ago, you see. Is, you are not even, as he's talking, you are not hearing what he's saying. Your mind is compiling and composing. The answer to give, to counter what he's saying. Or what she's saying. So your wife finishes. So are you true? Are you done? <laughs> are you true? Then let me now tell you. Let me now tell you. And then you start. Because all the way when she was talking, you were not listening to her. You were just preparing how to answer her. So she land. So now don't land. Okay, now hear me. And then you start. One after the other, you count all the points. I have just brought you this word. Walk in the light. You are children of light. Walk in love. Love is powerful. Hallelujah. 
Love all men. Walk in love. Walk in love. Glory to God. Amen. Keep good reports. People will say nasty things about you. Refuse to retaliate. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the teaching. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Twin Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.